Welcome to Senior Living Marketing Perspectives. I'm Debbie Howard from Senior Living Smart, and today I am pleased to welcome Scott Burford from the Fisher Group. Welcome, Scott. Thank you, Debbie, for the invitation. Glad you could join today. And uh, full disclosure, uh, Scott has been our preferred and only exclusive print partner for um, all 10 years of Senior Living Smart. So Scott, we've enjoyed working with you. And for people who are not familiar with the Fisher Group, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you support the, the senior housing uh, market? Sure, thanks, Debbie. Well, I think it's accurate to say that we've kind of grown in parallel with each other, right? Um, yep. So I, I've been in the print business for 26 years. Uh, I will say right out that I had no idea it was gonna end up this way when I got into it. Didn't know I would be this lucky. Almost 11 years ago, I started Fisher Group as a way of focusing resources towards the senior living industry. I loved working with the senior living industry and at that point had been working in the industry as a vendor and partner to companies for about eight years. So starting Fisher Group was really a way of, of turning the direction squarely at senior living and focusing in on the opportunity of working with customers in this space. And of course, that's around the time that we met Debbie and uh, well, the it's, it's been a great ride so far. So uh, what we do specifically now that we're here, we, we have some tools that we use and try to create very effective systems that are efficient for senior living providers. Specifically, we create online marketing portals. So think about taking all your branded material and putting it up on an easy to use portal. So all of your communities and, and people who need your branded items can log in and get them easily effectively and, and get the right stuff that's already been approved, already got all the brand elements locked into it. As we try to make a very simple and efficient system, and then we're right there behind it acting like a concierge, right? We, we pick up the phone, we answer emails, we get text messages. Um, however we can support the clients is, is we're there to do it. So uh, the, the online portals are a very big part of what we do, but around those things are things like direct mail campaigns. We've, we've gotten you know, much more uh, involved in direct mail over the past five or six years. Um, we're creating now video brochures where you take a printed brochure and incorporate a video screen with custom videos built into it. That's probably a different discussion, but that's a, a part of what we do today. So we try to do what we do really well, not try to get involved in too many things that are extraneous, but really focus in on what we know we do well and can deliver value. And it all around, you know, those, those portals, which you and I call smart stores. Right. Yes. We built a lot of smart stores together over the years. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, there's so much in marketing, all the attention, you know, it seems like is shifting to digital. So obviously, you know, we're meeting prospects where they are, search, uh, you know, social and email, and a lot of the, the budget and the attention has kind of uh, shifted from some of the more traditional marketing um, elements to more of that, that digital space. So Scott, here's my question. <laughs> <laughs> is print dead? <laughs> well, I, 15 years ago, I was told that it might be. And, and that was a little bit scary. Um, 15 years ago, 
Um, I sold a lot of offset printing. We did big print runs. We filled up warehouses with print. And that was how the company I was working for at the time derived a lot of its, its income. So 15 years ago, you would ask that question and I would really take it seriously and go, oh man, I, I'm a little concerned here about what's happening. But uh, no, it's not dead. Let me answer that question with just a simple answer, no. Um, but what, what we've seen in the past 15 years is that in not, not any one medium has really become dominant, right? Of course, digital is out there and there are so many different options and avenues that you can take with digital marketing. But if you follow the trends and, and read the reports, you'd know that print is still a very vital component of, of any marketing campaign across pretty much any industry you can name, but specifically with senior living, print is super important. So it's not dead, it's, it just changes, right? The form of printing changes. No longer are we filling up warehouses with 50,000 brochures that all say the same thing. Now clients are getting a box of 250 brochures with a very targeted message. So we're printing less than we used to, 10, 15 years ago, for sure. I would say that we're using less paper, but the paper that's being used is probably being used in a much better, more efficient way. And it's more valuable than it ever has been. Yeah, I remember reading a statistic years ago that that 20% of all printed uh, marketing collaterals were were obsolete before they were used and they were discarded. Um, And that was just because the technology was all, you know, big runs and generic, and now it's smaller runs and, and more personal. Yeah, exactly. And that was that was really how I think digital print production got its footing 10, 15 years ago, is it was all around a discussion of trying to eliminate that obsolescence. And that 20% number you mentioned is that was a real number. Mm-hmm. A lot of studies all came up with that conclusion. So yeah, since then it's been how can we do things more efficiently to reduce the waste, reduce spend, yet still be more effective than you were yesterday, right? Because that's what everybody has to do. Right. And it's, it's interesting. I invited you on this podcast because we just did a, um, uh, a blog that I found was, was so fascinating about direct mail. And, you know, the statistics were from like a uh, small biz genius uh, has, you know, these statistics, 42% of all uh, recipients of direct mail read or scan it. They retain the, uh, each piece of direct mail that they're interested in for an average of 17 days. Um, you know, there's a 29% ROI, 66% of people buy something as a result of a direct mail promotion. That was pretty cool. Um, so maybe, and I, I even think about my refrigerator. I have things up on my refrigerator that I cut out or received and just got my magnet I got a direct mail postcard about dry cleaning my outdoor cushions. Well, I got that back in March when I wasn't in New England really interested in dry cleaning my outdoor cushions. But I put it on my refrigerator because I know come June, I'm going to go down the basement and I'm going to get my cushions and go, oh, I need to do something. (laughs) So sure enough, that direct mail postcard and my cushions got in the car. We drove to the place that sent me the postcard, which was like 30 minutes away, 40 minutes away. And, you know, I did a, a significant, you know, purchasing decision, you know, based on that. And I look at my refrigerator and it's not the only direct mail postcard that I have that's been up there for a while. Yeah. I mean, look, where does, where do people go every day? 
they go to the refrigerator. So, you know, it, it's a, on one hand, it's a really creative idea to give somebody a marking piece that's designed to be put on something like a refrigerator. On the other hand, it's like, wow, that's kind of a no brainer, isn't it? Because somebody goes there every day and you're getting eyeballs on either your brand, your logo, your messaging or the offer or something. So it's really, it, it, it's just some simple fundamentals in understanding human psychology and what people do every day. Yeah. yeah. The other thing they do every day is they go to their mailbox. And sometimes that's the highlight of the day, especially right. during COVID. <laughs> so. well, yeah, exactly. The, the mailbox took on a new meaning over the past couple of years, right? I mean, the place to reach people now more than ever is at home. So for marketers who are trying to reach people there, wow. I mean, it's as you know, awful as it's been over the past couple of years, it's also been a tremendous opportunity. So let's talk a little bit. Um, let's start with some best practices. We talked about, you know, doing campaigns that are, that are, you know, intelligent campaigns, how to make direct mail work for you in a way that's smarter and more effective um, and, and more personal and not so generic. So can you just kind of run us through the, the basics of a successful uh, campaign? Sure. Yeah. So the, the things that I talk most about with clients, uh, probably the number one thing would be consistency, right? If you're going to talk about a direct mail campaign, ideally, it's going to be more than one mail drop. Yeah. And the recipient will get not just one postcard, uh, and then the company hopes for some sort of a result, but rather that there should be a series of pieces that are delivered strategically over a period of time. It could be a six month or four month period, but you wanna have enough touches that it's gonna be meaningful and it's gonna resonate at the end because each time that that mail piece is received, your brand is gonna be recognized. And at the first, the first one, maybe not as much later on, and all of a sudden it becomes much more recognizable. So you've created value. You've, that's what they call building brands, right? That's one of the ways it's done. So brand recognition through consistency is one of the, the biggest things. Um, and then you kind of get down into the real nitty gritty of the details of what you have to do. I mean, in order to have a successful mail campaign, you have to have a really good list. A lot of times we'll see, uh, Scott, can you pull a list, uh, age and income? And well, I mean, age and income are really not going to get you very far. These days, we can target so many different demographics that you can come up with a much more detailed list. So the list itself and the quality of the list is really important. Mm -hmm. The age of the list is really important, too, especially because there's been so much relocating during COVID. People have been moving more than ever. Mm -hmm. um, so having an updated list is really important as well. So having a good list and one that's current can really get you off on the right foot. And then you get into the creative aspect. So the offer, uh, you can't just throw stuff out there without a meaningful offer. If, if you, it's all part of a, a coordinated campaign and each individual mailer that goes to your prospects, if it has meaningful offers attached to it, then of course you're gonna get much more return on your investment, right? Mm -hmm. Because then they're going to be more, they're going to, they're going to want to respond. If there's no offer, what do you do with it? <laughs> well, I guess it's going over here. I don't know what else to do with it. Maybe we'll just put it on the refrigerator and hope something will happen. <laughs> um, and on that mail piece, whatever you do, offer multiple ways to respond. So it could be a phone number. 
hopefully with a name attached. It could be an email address, or it could be going to a website, or there could be a QR code on it. Oh boy, the QR codes are back. They so are back. Offering multiple ways to respond, it, it will increase the number of overall responses that you get. Some people just don't feel comfortable talking on the phone at first. Maybe later on as things develop, they might. But at first, it might be an email or a visit to a website where they can fill out a response form and get the discussion started. So those, those are some good things to really think about. And, and if you start with those basics, then you're really on your way to a successful endeavor with direct mail. Yeah, so let's go back to some of those. So as a matter of fact, as you were talking, I remembered that the reason I kept my coupon about my outdoor cushion cleaning was because I got 10% off. <laughs> I brought oh, the go. postcard. <laughs> I didn't even remember that until you referenced it. So yes, I wanted the 10% off and that was great. And I, it, it, it inspired me to save it. Um, also phone numbers. I mean, phone numbers are fine, but tracking numbers are better, right? Because everyone's always about the ROI. Absolutely. Yeah. And the tracking number technology that's available these days is, I mean, they're very easy to get. So companies should take advantage of those. And then you can measure, obviously, that's the point of a tracking number. You can measure the amount of calls you get. That'll help justify the campaign and and hopefully pave the way for more. And then also with the calls to action, I I like the idea of offering people a choice because people are at all different stages, you know, of their, of their journey. So, you know, certainly you can have the call, you can do a shortened vanity URL to drive them to a a landing page of some kind that's trackable because the vanity URL is going to have a short code that you'll know it's from that particular postcard and each of the tracking numbers. So let's say that you have Well, we're doing a campaign with you right now for one of our clients. They're doing a big acquisition and they're putting millions of dollars of renovation into each of these communities. So we created the Million Reasons campaign. There are millions of reasons to consider these communities because they're getting all this great renovation. And each of those postcards, you know, which is going to go out over six or seven or eight months, every month it features a new aspect of what's being renovated. So over time, you know, you're creating that awareness. And I know that in the article we just uh, published about direct mail, it said take seven to eight touches to really create any kind of brand awareness. I just think people get impatient. You know, they're like, well, I put out one or I put out two and it's not doing it. And so maybe we'll abandon the other, you know, four in the series, but it really does take how do we take a consistent theme so that it's a it's a brand theme, but then how do we customize the messaging so we're not say, sending out the same million reasons six times, but every time it's like, oh, I wonder what, oh, it was the dining room last time. Oh, now it's the model apartments. And next time it's going to be the gym or the fitness center. You're absolutely right. That's all part of the planning that needs to go into these campaigns. And it can't just be something that's kind of an off the cuff, just immediate decision. Oh, well, let's go do a campaign. Well, it, like you said, you put a lot of work into the Million Reasons campaign, you and your team, and I know the client's going to reap the benefits of that. So I, I think what we need to do is probably create a nice case study and share it with others because uh, that is a perfect example of how a campaign is done correctly. Right. And then I know you referenced QR codes, and boy, didn't they come back during COVID? You couldn't touch a menu. So they sure did. 
to get anything to eat or drink anywhere. We had to take out our phones. We had to reacquaint ourselves with QR codes. So can you talk a little bit about kind of how um, traditional marketing can align with the, with the digital experience and kind of take that offline to online um, marketing messaging and, and bring it through a complete campaign? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you just touched on a really important point, which is how you connect the different pieces of a campaign together. And if you can do that, you're going to be very successful. So, you know, the QR code came back from the dead. I mean, yeah. 10, 10 years ago, you had to buy an app on your phone and it was hard to use. And there were a bunch of different apps and which one do I get and how does it work? And it was just so clunky and inefficient that I mean, it was more trouble than it was worth for, for most users, right? So the adoption of QR codes was, was very low. Um, I guess it was just good fortune that in 2017, Apple decided to put an update in their iPhones, which meant that now they're, that the basic camera would now read the QR code. Well, that, that changed everything, right? So now if you put a QR code on a postcard, you've created a great way to bridge the gap from the physical to the digital. Like you just said, all I have to do is, is point my phone at it. A website pops up. I go, oh, wow, look at this. And you can take them to a private landing page. You could take them to the main website. And you can take them really anywhere that you want them to go based on the piece that you're presenting. So it can be highly targeted and, and really effective. I mean, when you think about just about all of us have a phone with a camera now, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what model phone, they all have cameras and all of these phones can now read and scan the QR code. So that can take you to places that can enhance the experience and inform the connection that you need. And I think it's about like, you know, you taught, you'd use the word planning. And I know so often, and I think you've seen it as well. People are like, I have to do a direct mail. I have to get it out next week. <laughs> yeah. Get me a list, throw well, together a postcard and, and, you know, send it out, which it, there needs to be a strategy. So it needs to be like, well, what's the audience? What's the purpose? You know, where in their journey are they? Are you trying to fill your pipeline with early stage leads that are just in, and you're creating a, a, an awareness campaign? Or are you really needing more, you know, traffic tours, you know, think people that are farther down into consideration and decision, because that will impact your, your messaging, your design, the calls to action um, that you're going to have and really the success of your campaign, right? Oh, absolutely. And what you just said, I, I do hear that frequently. And I, I probably surprise or maybe even shock some folks that I talk to who approach me with that. Oh, we need to get this direct mail campaign out next week. And then I, I immediately start thinking about, okay, let's work backwards a little bit. And I'll start asking the questions that you just asked. And I, I probably surprise some people because maybe they just think I'm a print guy and yeah. all I care about is getting stuff printed and out the door. Well, it couldn't be further from the truth, really. I mean, I, I'm invested in everybody's success and I, I, that's why I'm going to ask these crazy questions about strategy and where's your list and what's the offer look like and all these things that maybe they don't think I should be concerned with, but I really am. And so once we've been working together for a while and then maybe there's a realization, that, hey, we're all in this together for success. So let's really take it back several months mm -hmm. and start developing it together. That way we can combine our experiences and what we all know to create the most successful campaign possible.
And how do you measure success? I mean, I think that's something that people always struggle with. Like digital, you can measure everything, right? Impressions and views and clicks and conversions and costs for every single thing. And it seems like print is a little bit, and traditional in general, whether it's, a, you know, advertising in a newspaper or, you know, a guide or something. But are there any, any ways to truly measure the success? And, and what are some of the metrics we should be looking for? What would a successful campaign look like in terms of, you know, conversions? Sure. Well, I guess in in order to really point specifically at the success of print, you would have to do a lot of research after the campaign to collect data um, from your responses. And if you're throwing questionnaires at people, and maybe you can collect information that how did you find out about us or what about our campaign was the most attractive to you, things like that, you can probably collect information may point towards one or more components as being more effective. But Mm -hmm. I think overall with print, I think there's a general understanding that it's, it's effective when it's used in conjunction with other things. And that's when it's, that's when everything is most effective. Mm -hmm. So if you take the print away from that, then you're creating a situation where you don't have all of the pieces to be the most successful. And there are people who don't value print. It's just the way it is. Are those the most successful marketers in the world? I don't think so. <laughs> so I, I think if, if you really, I mean, honestly, we, we could all just go online and spend half a day researching direct mail, researching print, and we can find a lot of information and statistics that show that it's valuable. On the other hand, can you go online for half a day and look up direct mail campaigns in print and find tons of reasons that show why it's not valuable? I don't think you can. So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that points to print as being effective. Yeah, right? I, I think it's our demographic, to, right? So yeah. our demogra- the demographic that's most engaged with direct mail is 45 to 54, which is you know our adult child influencer. So yeah, you know making sure that you're targeting. Uh, you know, those, and I know my mom's 88, boy, she loves to go to her mailbox and get anything. And, you know, even if it's a card, you know, she's going to, she's going to read it and engage with it. That's right. I mean, that overall, and it's a generalization to say this, but it is true, is that seniors and older people prefer things that are printed. I mean, the internet's only been around in, 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 really being used by us all for 25 to 30 years. Right. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of us, myself included, got our start without the internet. And so those things that we used when we were younger, uh, they're still a, a vital part of who we are. You can't just give up on things that you've been using for the first 40 or 50 years of your life, right? They're mm-hmm. still going to have a lot of meaning. Newspapers are important. Printed pieces are important. So in the senior living industry, for somebody to, to really abandon print or not think that it's valuable anymore are probably ignoring one of the one of the biggest pieces, which is your clientele prefers it. <laughs> and not right. only that, there's things like, you know, brand recall is 70% higher with print as compared to digital. That has nothing to do with the clientele. That's just all people in general. But you start to look at that 70%. And then another one uh, would be 80, so in, in, a, in a rating, I'm looking at a study here that was put together by Marketing Sherpa. Um, it, in turn, it listed all the trusted ad channels. This was done about five years ago. 
and trusted ad channels, TV ads were first at 82%, most mm-hmm. trusted channel, which is understandable. Right below that was print ads and catalogs that are received in the mail, 80%. So the second most trusted form of advertising, mm-hmm. and, and that's a fairly recent study. So I, again, you, there are a million statistics out there, but you can find quite a few that point the way towards print as being effective. Yeah, it's really about being complimentary, right? So you you yeah. you make it a compliment to your digital and your social and you're firing off on and it eventually becomes uh, you know good brand awareness. Right. It's a it's a piece of the pie, right? And yeah. all of the different slices of the pie that a marketer has to to recognize and deal with, they also have to evaluate those for effectiveness and, mm-hmm. and try to measure each one individually, but also recognize that the success of the whole depends on all of these individual things working uh, at their best. So let's talk about innovation. Let's talk about innovation in senior living, print marketing, direct marketing. <laughs> Are we ever going to be done with pocket folders and step down inserts? <laughs> oh boy. Well, you know, there. <laughs> I think so, Debbie. I think we'll get there someday. You and I have been discussing some ideas recently about that. And certainly there are opportunities to take the tried and true methods that have been used for the past 25 or 30 years and try to come up with something more efficient and more effective. When you give something to a prospect or a resident, is it the most effective it can be? And honestly, that can't always be said, right? So it's the the challenge is up to us to come up with these ideas and then bring them to the marketplace and and really challenge our clients to think about doing things in a new way, showing Mm -hmm. them that it can be effective, right? And so that's- Yeah, because if you, you know, if a family member tours six communities and they come home and they throw the collateral on their kitchen table, which is exactly what they do. Yes. And it all looks the same. Yeah. You know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, differentiators and, you know, branding and standing apart, but we haven't translated that into the print experience for the most part. You know, I I still go around and every time I go to a senior living community, ask for their marketing collateral, and I'm hoping it's going to be something other than a pocket folder with sell sheets stuck in. And, you know, the sell sheets that are stuck in are not personalized to me, right? Because they pack them all together. And if I come and I'm looking for, you know, one particular apartment type or one particular lifestyle, I'm still going to get the packet that has all the other lifestyles and all the other floor plans that I'm not interested in. So we've really lost that personalization of putting together a packet that's kind of specially for you. So when you get home, everything in it is based on, you know, your, your top choices and your motivation and, and, and what's most important to you. So uh, what, what do you, have you seen anything out there? Uh, you do a lot of print in the senior living industry. Um, and are you seeing any shift uh, to, to a different way of creating collateral for family members? Cause I mean, it costs $500 to generate a lead. It costs about $1,200 to generate a tour, right? Yeah. 
So somebody walks in the door, that's a $1,200 investment and you're going to hand them, you know, the the staples pocket folder with your sticker on it and stuff, even the things that are printed nicely, um, you know, it it doesn't always translate into that, um, that experience and and that differentiator and really carrying that brand through into something tangible that they're going to bring home, throw in their counter along with all of your competitors and, really see if you stand out or which one am I going to keep and which one am I going to throw away? Well, that's a great point because I think most of these decisions are probably made at home, not in front of the salesperson at the community you just visited, right? So Mm -hmm. you're taking the experience of being at the community or talking on the phone with somebody from a community and you're back at home and now the decision's being made and you're looking at what you have in front of you. And like you said, if it's photocopied sheets that are stapled together that don't make a great impression and you have several of them out on a table, then yeah, it's it's definitely not gonna look good for the, the photocopying and stapling, right? Because we're trying to figure out, okay, where's mom gonna move? and spend some really quality time. Is it gonna be with the place that photocopies and staples stuff together? Mm. So I I guess, you know, if, if we could start anywhere, we would start with realizing that all of this developing branding and creative services, it, it requires a commitment, right? It requires a commitment and a belief that spending the resources to create your brand and to create all of the pieces that come together to deliver your message that the time invested in that is justifiable, right? Mm -hmm. Because once that decision is a yes, and then executing it, well, you can work with your agency, right? And that's what you do. You develop and you execute for clients. And so do we, or, or, and most of the other companies do as well. So it starts with a commitment that this is the way that things need to be done. And then you have to execute it. And then you throw in the creativity. And like you said, if there's six pieces out on the table, I mean, what if one of them is a video brochure? This is just a, an extreme example of how creative you might be. But here, here is a brochure. It's a printed brochure. It's really more like a book, right? But when you open it, you have a video screen that delivers a video message. And there are different pages that deliver a different message on each page. As you turn the pages, it cues up a different part of the video. How different is that? That's memorable. (laughs) So now, of course, you know full well that we delivered this piece together because our logos are on it. But this is our introductory piece to the industry saying, hey, this is possible. This is something that you might want to consider for specific situations. Now, they work great in other industries in the financial industry, in the medical devices industry, in the automotive industry, where you have high value products or services. Well, I think that, you know, when you're talking about where mom is going to live for the next five to 10 years, that's about as high value as you can get, honestly. So there are some opportunities to really look at what's available today and and think about doing things differently. Yeah, I love the video brochure. You and I worked hard to develop a sample um, so that people could really understand. And it is the combination of, you know, that digital experience with that print experience. And you can update those videos as well. So, you know, imagine that a family comes home and everyone else has a printed pocket folder or something like that. But you you have this this video that is more engaging. Um, It is going to be hard to throw that away. Right. Yeah, exactly. 
you're going to want to show, hey, look at this one. This is amazing. And there's a video tour of the community. They they explain, you know, their, their founder story in this part. They explain their services and amenities on this part. And every time you turn the chapter, the video advances to that next topic. So, you know, there are different solutions, different price points, depending on how complex the, the project is. Um, yeah. Another innovation that you and I have been uh, uh, talking through recently is really um, changing the focus from, you know, being just about the brand to really creating a relevant and helpful uh, resource for the family that they won't part with. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that we're looking at developing, and if there are any listeners out there that want to partner with us, we would love to do this project with a thought leader that wants to do something better and different. And it's really about creating a, a journal, a bound journal that a family can come in. It still gets all of the brand elements, shares the brand story, but it has things like checklists. Here's the tour checklist with our community or our brand, all the things that we have included, and a place for you to take this to two or three or four competitors and use this checklist. And here's you know, your financial, your, your budget worksheet, here's your, you know, non-negotiable worksheet, here's what to bring, how to downsize. And so, I, you know, I see this as something that people will hold on to that you can still personalize by putting in price lists and floor plans because there's pockets in each section. Um, but won't the, won't the um, competitors be surprised when Everybody who tours your community brings your book and journal because they're taking their notes and they have their checklist and they have all their budget information. And it's going to be the one I think that no one's going to part with because it's it's helpful. Uh, I mean, it's one of the best ideas I've heard in a long time, Debbie. And how absolutely how cool would it be that you're walking in and bringing this branded book with you into all the other brands, so to speak? Uh, very powerful possibility here. And yes, we're, I'm confident working together and with anybody else who's interested, as you said, that I, I think we can get this developed. Uh, we can make it affordable to produce and easy to customize. But once we have all the right content locked in, I, I think it's a winner. Yeah. We can incorporate little things too. Like, and I, I didn't touch on this a minute ago when I was busy showing you the video brochures, but really when, when you, we talk about things that are different and, and we can, things you can do to differentiate yourself, sometimes it's the smallest little things that make the difference, right? Like mm -hmm. this business card right here, it's got a soft touch laminate on the front and rounded corners. Now, what happens when you give a, a business card to somebody? What's the first thing you do when you get a business card? You feel it. You feel right? it. Yeah. How yep. thick it is. What kind of, wow, that feels different on the front. So these little touches make a really big difference and they don't cost a ton of money. And in this day and age of print manufacturing and production, all of the what were once considered high-end bells and whistles like varnishes and foil stamping and embossing, these are all being brought into short-run manufacturing now. So small quantities, it won't cost you an arm and a leg to do some really cool things that will make a huge difference in the piece. So we talk about the creativity and the messaging and the visual, but also there's the what I I was taught years ago the term the process of discovery and that starts when you touch something and this tactile feel is really meaningful it sends a message to your brain immediately and you want it to be the right message of course <laughs> it looks like there's a qr code in front of your business card <laughs> it does doesn't it yeah well there you go that's another great place to put a qr code 
Does that, does that bring it to a contact us or a call to action or does it bring it to your website? Um, I, I believe it does. Yes. This is not my business card, but it's a sample of a business card. And so, it, yes, that's what it would be intended to do. Um, I mean, I can think of a couple of pages on our website where I'd love senior living prospects to go uh, to find out more about what we do. So that's that's really what it's all about with the QR codes. And, and the business card is not dead. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Yeah. And that can turn it into a digital business card as well, I'm sure, with the QR code and people can save it. So that's exactly. kind of cool. I know we're going to Smash and we're going to bring, we have some QR codes that are going to lead to some special offers. So it'll be interesting to see how people engage um, with that in a conference environment. So we're looking forward to that. And our last thing I want to talk about is um, we, we started the conversation about smart stores. And for people who don't have never heard of smart stores, it's just kind of a, a term I think that that um, Scott came up with and, and we adopted. Um, and of course, that fits with Senior Living Smart. So it worked out really well. Um, but it's basically your own uh, company branded uh, Vistaprint. Um, and in some ways, it's kind of a Vistaprint plus a SharePoint because we've expanded the capabilities to not only be a, like a marketing asset management system where you can take all of your marketing collaterals and template them. So think about that you only have to create one version of every single piece of marketing collateral that you have. And then the technology can allow your communities to come in and edit certain sections, like changing dates and times for events and things like that, um, while maintaining uh, brand uh, guidelines. Uh, so it really is kind of a self-service little internal um, marketing shop that your users can come in, get letterhead stationary business cards, all of their collaterals, and even has the capability, Scott, I believe, and I think we, we may have some uh, clients that are going to look at doing this around creating kits. So every time a new salesperson shows up at your community, you know, Scott and the team can actually ship them a starter kit. Um, because from personal experience, when the old marketing person leaves, you come into an office, it's a mess. You can't find anything. Um, and the, the poor salesperson spends the first couple of weeks trying to find all of the marketing collateral. So um, maybe you can give us a, a kind of an overview of smart store, you know, the technology and kind of some of the key features that, that sure. are working. Yeah. So let's think about this from the standpoint of uh, I'm a marketing director at a senior living organization and I have 20 communities. So in those 20 communities all need to function essentially the same from the standpoint of they all need branded materials, right? But it's all got to be customized for each specific community because as we've been talking about throughout this discussion, there's more of a focus on personalization than ever before. So it's got to be relevant and personalized, but it's also got to be easy to get and it's got to be it's got to have all the right branding. And so you can't just have all of your 20 communities going and doing their own thing, because what you're going to get are 20 different results, and a lot of them will not be good. So the benefit to setting up something like a smart store is that you're organizing everything that you're going to do, and you're making it very accessible. Now, we train people how to use the store. There's just a small learning curve but we go on, we conduct these webinars, we make sure everybody's comfortable. They have their login, their password, they're ready to go. So when they need to get something, they can log in and go to the section of where that brochure or flyer or other resource might be located. 
and they can either download it if they need it that way, or they can order print really quickly and easily. So if I'm the marketing director with my 20 communities, what, what am I saving? What are the efficiencies for me? Well, I, I don't have to be the traffic cop for all the 20 people at the communities, because guess what? They're coming to me for everything they need, unless I have a system that will do it for us. Uh, in addition, I'm going to have to either hire graphic designers to do everything when it comes to changing and modifying materials, because they're always changing and being updated, especially during COVID in the last year and a half, the messaging and the content is, is being revised uh, constantly. So you've got to hire a team of people, which is a lot of overhead, ongoing all the time, just to manage the flow. When instead, if you build a smart store, you do the work up front, you make it available, and then you just manage it very easily moving forward. So you're, you're saving a lot of time, your own time, of course, because people aren't emailing you and calling you every day saying, hey, we need brochures, we need flyers, we need, a, you know, we need tablecloths and, and a tent for outside and all these different things, when instead it's, that's on Smart Store, just go and get it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a much simpler proposition to enable you, the marketing director, to focus on the, the bigger initiatives, the, the more important things that are truly your responsibility. And as a marketing director, your responsibility shouldn't be managing the flow of everybody's event flyers being delivered on time for the, uh, for the print run for the event. I mean, that's just silly. Um, so it does happen a lot. And that's why we're still finding new customers, right? That's right. And yeah. someday I'm going to actually be able to figure out with you how we do a subscription for event management. So people can just come and have a whole turnkey library of ready to go events. And they just tell us what they want. And a month yeah. in advance, it shows up at their door every single month. They're going to get their event kit in a box because I feel like that would be transformational. So we're going to keep working on that, Scott. Yep, that's right. It all takes a commitment to planning, just like a direct mail campaign where you have to conceive and plan ahead of time. What you just said, it just requires somebody willing to say, okay, I'm going to commit to doing this, help me organize it. And that's where we come in. That's right. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time today. And, and if people are interested in learning more about Smart stores, video brochures, uh, direct mail or print. What's the best way for them to find you? Sure. So poweredbyfishergroup.com. Poweredbyfishergroup.com is our website. And that's got all our contact information. And uh, it's a good way to start. I try to be very, uh, very available and always pick up the phone and, and answer questions on a daily basis. So start there and reach out and we'd love to talk. Great. Well, we'll have all of your contact information um, in the show notes. Thanks for sharing your senior living marketing perspectives with us today. It's always fun talking with you, Debbie. 